0: Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so thrilled to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it, it's not always easy, but we're in this together, and thankfully, we have a lot of wonderful people we can call on to get the help and insight we need. Now, our kids are naturally curious, and yet, in so many circumstances in their lives, they're told to learn what is put in front of them, memorize other people's ideas, theories, solutions, regurgitate what they've heard, sit down, take in, spill out, and repeat. This is no way to foster innovation or the development of new and better ideas, theories, and solutions. So what do we do? How do we cultivate innovative learners who can think critically, build on what they've learned, and perhaps come up with something completely different that nobody's ever seen or heard? Our next guest has a lot to say on this topic. George Kouros is a leading educator in the area of innovative leadership, teaching, and learning. He has worked with all levels of school, from teacher to administrator, and is the author of the book, The Innovator's Mindset Empower Learning, Unleash Talent, and Lead a Culture of Creativity. He is a sought after speaker on the topic of innovative student learning and engagement, and has worked with schools and organizations around the globe. George is also the creator of ConnectedPrinciples.com, an initiative that that brings educators and leaders together from around the world to create powerful learning opportunities for students. Although George is a leader in the area of innovation, his focus is always on what is best for learners. His belief is that meaningful change happens when you first connect to people's hearts. You can connect with George on his blog, the principle of change at georgecoros.ca or through Twitter at gcoros, and he will get back to you Thank you so much, George, for joining us on How to Talk to Kids About Anything.
1: Thanks, Robin. Really appreciate um, all that you do for education and for parenting, so I'm really excited to uh, join you today.
0: Thank you so much. Well, before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had the opportunity and pleasure to meet you or read your book or hear you speak, would you just take a moment to tell us What gets you up in the morning, and what got you so interested in exploring the area of innovation and leadership in educators and students?
1: Well, I know that I'm really blessed to uh, work with educators and students, and uh, I I know that I'm a, personally, I'm a really, I'm a constant learner, so I'm continuously developed myself. Uh, Years ago, I I really started looking at technology and its use uh, in schools, uh, even though I was always asked to use technology in schools in my in my different roles, I was actually starting to push back against it because I saw a lot of kids, um, you know, looking at technology and just blankly staring at screens and not really connecting with anything, and and, and almost like their minds were turning off. And uh, I was actually pushing back against it. And then um, as an administrator, I was really challenged by some people to to look at how I was using technology personally. Uh, how to connect, how to share my learning, uh, how to, you know, to get new ideas. So I started really digging deep into it and I saw that the way that we were teaching and the way that we're utilizing technology in our schools was actually shutting our kids' minds off and and they weren't actually tapping into the rest of the world, we were closing them off. And so I, I got really excited about that opportunity, but unlike a lot of things that you see in education, I didn't jump to the students. The first thing I did was I figured out things myself, like um, how I I started digital portfolio, uh, how I connect on social media with other people around the world and learn from them and and start developing new ideas and sharing my own. And so I got really excited because uh, opportunities started, to be honest, you started opening up for me uh, accidentally. I started speaking around the world, uh, which was never actually my intention. It, just because people could see my work, all of a sudden, they never knew anything that I did because how, how would you? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then now my passion is how do I encourage that while we keep our kids safe, that we give them every opportunity in the world. So that's really kind of, kind of my journey to where I'm at now and where my thinking is, is that um, as a parent, as an educator – uh, to to effectively guide our kids um, in this world that we all live in. And sometimes we'll say things that are ridiculous, like the world our kids live in, which mm-hmm. is not true, because we all live in the same world. Um, how do we ensure that our kids have every opportunity in the world, not just the same opportunities that we had when we were kids, because there's so many more. So that, that's kind of been my passion and looking at innovation and what that actually means you hear you hear the word innovation everywhere now mm-hmm. uh, but but people don't really understand what it means and so um, I took a role in my um, uh, and when I say took a role I shouldn't actually say that I actually invented a role uh, and <laughs> pitched it to my superintendent um, about this this notion of uh, leading innovative teaching and learning not really even knowing what it meant and so I had the flexibility to really dig deep and what does innovation mean, how is it beneficial to our kids, how is it beneficial to our teachers and our communities and so I had the flexibility to really do research and development in my role which is again is not a normal thing for educators that we focus on R&D in educational organizations that's more of a business thing. But we're really trying to get like, how are we supposed to move our schools forward if we're not looking at what other people around the world are doing and and really, you know, developing our own organizations as they move forward. So I had some really weird paths to get where I'm at, but really passionate about making sure uh, we open doors for our kids. And I'm a big believer that schools serve kids first uh, and everything else is secondary to that. So that's kind of where my mindset starts.
0: Very interesting path, and I I love that you're talking about innovation. I'm so curious and learning more about it. The term innovation as you just mentioned has really been thrown around a lot in education and in business. I mean, we talk about that all the time. But what does it really mean in your world of education? And if you could go further because we talk to so many parents and teachers why is it important to kids as they're developing as students and leaders? Why is this concept of innovation so important to helping these kids to thrive?
1: Well, ultimately what we, we focus on is that um, when you hear the term innovation, people usually mean how they use technology, and that's actually incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's some practices that we've done in schools With the use of technology that are actually not very innovative, like um, doing digital worksheets instead of paper worksheets, it's the exact same practice that we were doing before, but now it's in a a digital format. And I'm sure you've heard of Scantrons, where we Mm -hmm. get kids to do multiple choice, and instead of really understanding what they know, we let a machine do it for us. And it really doesn't effectively tell us that. So... When I, when I looked at innovation, what we focused on is how do we, innovation is really doing new and better things. That, that's it. And it's, we try to make it really simple so that anyone can attain it. So when we talk about new and better things, it can be either remixing, so we'll take an idea, we'll remix it to make it better, especially for our own communities, or we create something totally brand new. And the the example I always use um, is the iPhone. And... A lot of times when I do workshops, I'll tell participants that we, we really thank you for being here. And so, since you're all here, we actually decided to get you an all, all a new, uh, all an, an iPhone, mm-hmm. and people are super excited about it. <laughs> and so. I was like, how many would? You, how many of you are excited about that? Would you want this? And there's 100% hands, right? Of course. And I said, well, I, did, I, I didn't say which version, though.
0: <laughs> and so. The iPhone.
1: Uh, right. prehistoric so we're gonna give, version. <laughs> we're we're going to give you the original iPhone. And it's funny because when the original iPhone came out, it was the most mind-boggling thing. Mm-hmm. And we were so excited about it. And if you remember, it actually had no camera on either side. Um, you could get it on the internet. You can make phone calls. You can text. There's no app store. And it's kind of crazy how I talk about it. Like, oh, my God, like how ridiculous that is. And it's only 10 years old. Um, and now people complain that the 7 is not so much better than the 6. Mm-hmm. And, and both are actually innovations. But one is totally new. And one is a remix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's an iteration of it. And so looking at that, and one of my favorite quotes, and and I apologize because I don't don't know what to attribute this to, but I just read it and it's always stuck with me. Uh, They said, we expect innovation in every organization except for the ones we work in.
0: Mm. So
1: we expect the iPhone to be so much further developed from its original iteration 10 years ago, yet we're very comfortable in education doing practices we did 50 years ago.
0: Right. That's our comfort zone.
1: Right. And so so it's kind of getting people understand that that's not how the rest of the world works and 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 how do we tap into this and so we want to develop our teachers our administrators um, to think of themselves as innovators now it doesn't mean that everything we do is new and awesome we look at what every kid what works with kids now if there's something that we did 30 years ago that still works for our students we would continue to do it we encourage our teachers to do it but some teachers uh, will actually hold on to practices that they're comfortable with, right. even when they see they don't work. Right. And so, so it's kind of really looking at it from the the basis of your child. And as a parent specifically, I want you to understand my kid. I don't want you just to do everything that you do with every other child. And and so, really looking at the kid and moving backwards from there. And what does that child need? And ultimately, when we develop our teachers and our administrators as leaders, we want our kids to become that way because. We're asking our students to become innovators, have all these new and crazy ideas, while they're spending years and years of their time with people that might be doing the same thing that they've been doing twenty years. ago.
0: This is fascinating to me. I mean, and yeah. we've all seen you know that experience. We've all experienced that uh, either as a student or ourselves or as a parent looking at a teacher and thinking oh I wish that they might embrace something new they seem really stiff and set in their ways but what's an example or two of how people that you know have shown innovation with kids and and how have you seen them it helped them to grow and develop
1: well there's a, a teacher I worked with her name is Lisa Jones and I, I highlighted her in my book and she was really fascinating she actually had just come off a uh, A three-year leave from schools. And so she started her own family and um, she took a few years off uh, from school. And she was was fairly young. She was fairly young in her career. And I love, I I, I point that out for a reason, because we have this notion that all the young people have all these crazy new ideas and they're going to be the ones that are leading this charge. And it's not accurate. In, In fact, a lot of younger educators that we see are extremely traditional. And uh, Bruce Dixon, an educator in the on Australia, he said something to me that's always resonated. He said that in no other profession in the world do you watch someone for 16 years before you go do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so all a lot of these newer teachers are coming in and they're doing the exact same practice they grew up in, not necessarily what they've heard and talked about. Mm-hmm. So. So she told me she was really struggling with her students, and I said, "Well, tell me what, what's going on right now." I said, "Well, right now I'm teaching um, I'm teaching grade ten students, and we're talking about uh, mitosis, and I'm using an overhead projector and a transparency. And before I could <laughs> right. say anything, it's like fourth she, grade or
0: uh, over, and, right. you know, or eighth grade over and over again,
1: right? Ahead. Right. And so she, before I could say anything to her, she <laughs> knows I'm going to challenge her on it, and she goes, "I, George, I understand. I understand that it's it's not." Really conducive to my kids, but I don't know what else to do. So I said, "Well, why don't you go into Twitter and see what other science teachers are doing?" Perfect. And she's like, and so she's like, "Why would I go on Twitter?" And then I showed her a video called "Twitter in 60 Seconds." So what this video does is explains the concept of Twitter for educators, but it does it in a shortened time frame that you have, to, and it uses 60 seconds. So, but one week later, um, she sends me videos that her kids had shared of them explaining mitosis in 67. I love it. I love so she, it. I
0: knew you were so going to say it, but I she, love it. <laughs> she, took,
1: she took the Twitter idea that I showed her and then she iterated it and she, she flipped her classroom. Instead of being very teacher-centered, it went student, student-centered. Yes. And what's fascinating about this is um, one of the big concepts I talk about in the book is the notion of quit telling people to think outside of the box. You all work mm-hmm. in a box. So as a teacher, you have a curriculum, you have testing, you have budget constraints, and those aren't going away, not in any time right. in the near future, not right. with politicians and what they you know focus on. And so I can't come in and say, don't worry about that. I say, yeah, you have to worry about that. But how do you create something amazing within that? So she's still teaching the curriculum. And what's really interesting is that Lisa works in the high poverty area. And I knew about, she told me this part after the book. She said, this is the first year she's ever taught that all of her students are past. and the big change wasn't her kids and you know the clientele it was her thinking and what she did because these kids still had to do tests on mitosis they still had to explain it but when they had to teach it to the entire world instead of just regurgitate it to the teacher it totally changes the your understanding of it i i bet if you ask those students you know years after the yes. facts about mitosis they could still explain it to they you but they created matter. something with it yeah and i think that that's that's what we're seeing is that, uh, especially with teachers, we don't want them to revamp their entire philosophy overnight, but just start with one thing and see what happens. Start
0: with Because one when that thing. one thing
1: changes, then another thing changes, and then another thing. And Lisa told me, because of that one thing, her whole philosophy on teaching has now changed. And the way her classroom looks now compared to, you know, before we had that conversation is totally different. And it's really focused on what the students need, not... What's most comfortable it's for me? It's a
0: beautiful idea, and it really helps to embrace where the kids are right now, the innovation that they see on a daily basis, you know, because this is what they're exposed to, helps to meet them where they are. I know in your book you talk about this innovation inside the box, and I really like mm-hmm. that concept. You also talk about the innovator's mindset, which, of course, is the title of your book, The Innovator's Mindset, specifically this idea that we have belief in that abilities and intelligence and, and talents are developed so that they can lead to the creation of new and better ideas. And you spell out eight characteristics of this innovative innovator's mindset. So I was wondering if you could first talk a little bit about maybe some of these characteristics. What does that even mean? Like what is, what are some of the characteristics of that innovator's mindset? And then if you can can help us understand how it applies, like what was it what would it look like in in a child, in a student? Or in a, even in a, an educator or coach, how they would use that innovator's mindset.
1: Yeah, and so so the the characteristics are kind of really crucial. Is like, how do you actually become an innovator? How do yes. you start thinking differently? Um, and so the first one, which I think is actually the most important one, is empathetic. So t- understanding who you serve. And- and to, to, moving to the business side, first of all, when Apple makes iPhones, and, and I'll be honest, with you, I'm a big Apple fan. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> because it's su- they're, they're super, they're super easy to use. Yes. But so when they create this, if you notice, and people don't really think about this, like when you buy a new iPhone, there is no instruction manual, and mm-hmm. the reason is, and people don't even notice that, that if they have to create an instruction manual. For you to use it, it's probably not that user friendly, and that's like a that's kind of like what was the moniker of Steve Jobs is that you shouldn't ha- like I shouldn't have to teach you how to use it. It should, should be so user friendly. So he's really trying to think how is this easy for the people that you know are buying it and selling it. And so when you take that kind of mindset and and you use the notion notion of empathy when you're talking about um, students, it's thinking about where the kids are and moving backwards from there first. So this is a really simple analogy. Um, for me personally, um, I get very distracted. Um, and I always have been this way. But if, you, if I'm listening to music, I'm very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so you throw on headphones to me. You allow me to use headphones, and I can just throw out. But I need distraction in the periphery. And, and you have to understand that. Now, some kids, if you give them headphones and music... They will start dancing around and they can't focus on anything. That's for sure. And so part and so part of that is understanding who it is. Like right. yeah, this is this is a lot of people don't know this, but that book, which has been a bestseller in education, that I I wrote, I actually wrote um, the entire thing in, in two weeks, standing up in a Starbucks.
0: Oh, that's so, awesome! What a great yeah, picture.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so and, and listening to me music and things like that and I that's how I need to focus I need to just right. work but I need music to kind of like you know fade in the background but as a kid there was nowhere to stand no. up I wouldn't be able to listen to music right. and right. things like that you so had it's kind of understanding down
0: and and learn sit like down, and everybody shut up. else yes. sit
1: down shut up and do what I tell you right and so um, the other, the other one of the big things that we really focus on is the notion of not only problem solvers but problem finders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and Macintosh, um, he's an educator in the in the UK. He really turned me on to this idea, and he talked about like looking at things around the world and then posing solutions. Not the teacher says, "Well, here's the problem," and getting kids to start developing these things as well. So, for example, there's a a young lady. Her name was Martha Payne. Uh, she was nine years old at the time in the UK. And so she's concerned about food conditions in third world countries. This is not a school project. It's just something mm-hmm. that she specifically was curious about. So her goal is to raise, I think it was about 7,000 um, pounds. So that's probably about ten, eleven thousand mm-hmm. $11,000 US right. to build a kitchen for kids in a school in Malawi. But how she's going to bring awareness is... She starts blogging about the food she's eating in her school cafeteria. Um, So her blog was viral. Hundreds of thousands of people see it. And her school actually finds out, which is fascinating, and they tell her to shut it down. And the reason they wanted her to shut it down is because they're embarrassed of the food she's eating in the cafeteria. And they don't want people to know this, which is a whole other issue. You could probably do a whole podcast. I know. I
0: was just thinking about that exact thing. (laughs) Perfect.
1: And so... um, so she actually, uh, politicians from the UK found out. They started tweeting the support of the nine-year-old uh, Jamie Oliver from the Food Network. Yes, I remember this support. Yes. Yeah, and so and so. What's fascinating is the school was basically forced to allow her to do it, and instead of her raising seven thousand pounds, I think in a month she raised eighty-two thousand oh. pounds. And so here is a kid mm-hmm. who is concerned about something. And then, you know, says, like, well, here's what I'm going to do about it. And we we really focus that um, with our kids that you'll hear, you know, and I'm sure you'll have this in your podcast at some time. You know, you know I know parents are very concerned about what kids do online.
0: Absolutely. And you'll
1: hear about digital citizenship. Mm-hmm. I actually don't talk about digital citizenship. It's not something that I focus on. I focus on digital leadership. Yes, And right. what, what I say to them what I say to our students is you have the world at your fingertips. What are you going to do with this? So actually helping kids find problems that they're, they're interested in, in themselves and then creating a plan of action to solve it.
0: I think so I, I just want to underscore that because you just yes. gave perfect scripting for any parent or educator or coach. To be able to say those words, you have you have the world at your fingertips. Now, what are you going to do with it? What do you care about? What can you use? What kind of strengths do you have that you can apply to this problem? What do you think about it? And just asking that, I'm sure, explodes their mind and gives them the permission to explore the problem and come up with possible solutions.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's what we're we're. One of the things that Robin and I really talk about with schools is the notion of quit saying to kids, "We're developing the leaders of tomorrow." Because suddenly, you say to them, "You can't actually make an impact in our world until you leave." If, mm. if you want to develop them as leaders, the best way to do it is to get them doing that right now. Love it. Then you know that it, it's so. So we get these we get these kids to see like they can have a hugely influential impact on our world today not waiting for anything and, and you see like stories of this all the time and and that's like whether i do anything or not i guarantee you there are kids in schools who don't need adults who don't need you know any coaxing to do this but they are they are the you know the few yes. what we're trying to get people is to make this is the norm that kids believe and kids have access to create these really important things and so, so we're seeing, like, um, there's a, a young gentleman who was concerned about cyberbullying. So instead of starting an anti-bullying focus, he started a Twitter and Facebook page that complimented kids.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: he says, if you can use it for horrible things, why can't you use it for awesome things? Love it. So he starts complimenting kids in the school, total school culture change. But then what's fascinating is that other schools around the world start seeing that idea. Mm-hmm. They start adopting the same thing. And if you look at um, schools and parents, we do this thing, that, and it's really bad, is we go in and we tell kids constantly what they shouldn't do. Yes. You, you, look, you, look, in, you look on a, a wall in a school, you'll say, don't be a bully. Right. Now, Robin, I hate to tell you this, but if a kid is about to bully... And they see that sign, <laughs> they're not going. Oh my god! Oh, I was yes. just about to bully. Thank you, Thank you for the, the reminder. I Thank just God, the adults forgot. saved me. Yes. Yeah. And so what we say is like, how are you going to change the world? How are you going to do this? And right. getting these kids to focus on what's possible. And and, and I'm sure like you see in schools, they'll bring lawyers in, and the lawyers will say, "Don't do this. Don't do this." It's the most uninspiring thing to adults right. ever. Yeah, we do it to kids all the time. Right. So we try to. Get give them examples of, like, here's what's possible. Here's how you can use this oh, to make a positive it. difference in the lives of others.
0: I, I love this idea. so we're really idea. focusing on that. And, and yeah, you and, and I have some similarities. There's one concept that I read in your book, I believe, that that is so similar to the way that I think. I I talk about young people as assets to be developed, not deficits to be managed. I know you mm-hmm. think about it in the same way. That's, that's just been the way I've thought. It's the way I work. So how can we then take all this great stuff that you've just been talking about and start to not just provide the opportunity for innovation, but how can we then recognize and tap into the strengths of specific kids, help them to develop those strengths, and then apply it to some kind of problem that they see. I mean, how, you know, some people, some kids often think, well, how am, I go- how am I going to do anything, me? And and it becomes the key adult that can help pull it out of them. Then, what, What's going on with that? Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Well, I, I think what's really important is that we understand what the kid is passionate about, not push our passions onto the kid. Right. Right. So, so I think I think this is really important. Is that you know, um, if I say to a kid, okay, we're gonna change the world by, we're all going to do this, well, they might not be passionate about it. Right. And the thing is, is that we talk about our kids being res- resilient, but if you get a kid passionate about something, their resiliency will not be an issue. They will go through everything they can uh, to do this. And one of the projects that we did in our school um, years ago, and we've been continuously doing it, and it really helped cat- catapult some of the practices that we're doing in school. Uh, we started a thing called Innovation Week. And uh, it was actually adopted from a teacher in Chicago named Josh Stumpenhorst. And what Josh did, um, he, he did a thing as a teacher in his classroom called Innovation Day. So the kids would actually uh, propose projects of things that they were really interested in and they would have the day to work on it. And we loved it. Mm, love uh, but it. we actually said, it's not enough time. Let's give them a week. Let's right. see what happens if we give them a full week to, to do this. So we started this, um, a, a friend of mine, is named Jesse McLean. He started it, and the it was like kind of an optional thing. So who would be interested? Because they didn't know how it would fly. And so it was in a school, I think, about 500 kids. And they were expecting 40 applications to do this project. They had 400, they ended up with 480.
0: Wow, that's so,
1: different. So, so yeah, and so the thing is, is like, if you think about this, hey, we're going to give you a week to work on something you're passionate about. But of course kids are going to be interested in that right and so they they would still have to propose projects it would be kind of like an academic advisor you know the teachers became academic advisors so the whole school shut down for the week to work on these things so we saw kids in um, a school public school um, building hovercrafts out of things they could find. This is like a middle school, mm-hmm. so they're 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 building hovercrafts out of things that they can find around the school. Um, they're inventing different things. They're you know they're solving all these problems. The, this one young girl is really fascinating. She's 12 years old, and her dad travels, and uh, he tended you know to have issues. And I, and I understand this as a traveler um, to actually uh, you know you're very tight. With the amount of stuff you can put in a carry-on, so she wants to lessen what he's bringing. So she, during that week, invents a toothbrush with a toothpaste as one piece. So you press the tube, and it comes right out through the bristles. So it's actually instead of having toothpaste and toothbrush, it's just one.
0: Oh, neat! And so
1: you're you're seeing, and this is because of school. This is because of the things that we're doing within our school. So I think that if you're really trying to get kids to make a change, I think one of the things that if you love what you do and you make a difference in that and you're passionate about that you're going to make a change in the world i think that's what we're really focusing on is getting these kids to find out what they're passionate about and still you know like it's there there has to be kind of this balance and balance is not my favorite word in the world but to be honest with you um there are some times where we got to have kids doing things they don't like like one of the things i regret as a an adult that i wasn't forced to do as a kid was play piano, right? I didn't want to play piano, blah, blah, blah. I wish I could know how to play it. Sometimes kids are going to do things that they don't like, but it's much easier when kids know you value them, that Mm -hmm. we focus on their strengths, that for them to do the other things. But if it's all about, we know you don't like it, but it's going to do you better long-term, and everything is about that, that's why kids are checking out of school so early. That's why they're sick of it is because... Nobody really cares what they want, what they what they want to aspire to be. And I think that that's why you have a lot of kids walking into school and they have no idea what they want to do because it's always been about what the adults have wanted, not what, what's helping these kids follow you know follow and even develop their dreams. that, that school has never been that place and that's why we're trying to change it is, is to really tap into not here's something that we want you to solve, but what is something that's important to you and let's start from there.
0: Right. Because, and again, there's the scripting again. What is the problem that you're passionate about? What do you want to solve? Now, let me give you a possible scenario because, you know, we hear these kinds of things from from parents and educators. Let's say there's a kid at the school. Perhaps he or she has maybe a learning difference. Maybe it's ADHD. Maybe it's dyslexia, something else. They're down on themselves. They don't particularly love school because they feel sort of boxed in, compared, or measured, You know, they don't excel Mm -hmm. in the sort of traditional paradigm. So the child's sitting in front of you or an educator or a coach, parent. And what can you say to this child to help them see a way to become more innovative, to feed their curiosity when they feel like they never measure up, they have, they they just can't win. What could you say to them to help them move forward?
1: Well, I, I think for, for one of the things that we really, like, I really get teachers to focus on is, is that some of your most brilliant students are terrible academically. Yes,
0: it's so, so true. And, yes.
1: And so if you look, if you look for their brilliance, yes. you, you'll find it. And I think that's a big shift is that um, it's not about, hey, you know what, you're not doing so well on your test, I know that sucks, but it's getting, it's like, you know, that's what I was going back to earlier is that how do you actually develop these kids? And and to be honest with you, um, the mentality of, like, if a kid has ADHD or a learning disability, to, to be honest with you, I'm not saying we don't care, but that mentality is that Every, every single kid, whether they're diagnosed with something or what, that's why whether I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid, it would have taken you two seconds to find out that music actually helps me. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of understanding where these kids are at and kind of develop them as individuals as opposed to standardizing. And I think that's where technology is quite powerful is that it really can personalize opportunities for our kids. And I think that when you have these kids in, If you would have connected things um, for me to basketball, I I would have loved everything. Mm -hmm. But a lot of teachers could care less. And that was not a thing. And and basketball, the only time basketball came up is that if you don't do this, you're not going to be allowed to play basketball. So they took my strengths and used them against me as opposed to tapping into them. And I think that's – and and this is – I actually just wrote about this. Th- that some people will listen to this and like, well, kids have to do tough stuff and blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Sure, sure, You know, and they're they're entitled. Like these little kids, mm-hmm. they're entitled. They don't have to work. And you want everyone to win an award? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Right. I'm 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 very anti giving every kid an award right. just because right. i'm very antsy against this right um but i'm also not big on giving any awards to be honest with you because it gets kids to focus on the wrong thing so if you read dan pink's book drive yes it, that was a big shift for me it's it's that we actually expect more of our students because we're getting them to work harder than they've ever done because they're 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 doing things that they're passionate about so for example um if you if you want a lot of kids if you ask them today what do you want to be when you grow up they say youtuber. Like that's that's your thing. And a lot of parents and adults totally dismiss it. And I'm like, "Awesome. How do we get there? And what's that going to look like?" And for you to be actually a successful YouTuber, that's not easy. You have to spend hours and hours of creating content and especially when you start off, you're spending hours of creating content that no one might even see because you have no audience. So you got to learn to build an audience. And through that process, there is actually no guarantee of how much money you're getting. You're basing it on YouTube ad revenue and how much they're going to put your site. But if you show that path, there are kids who are doing it and they're making this. And here's, here's a really simple thing is that um, let's say I want to be a chef. Okay, well, that's a really admirable thing. So what could schools do this and still get evidence of learning? So instead of a kid in a culinary arts class who's cooking so the teacher can taste it and will grade it, have the kid do a, a, a tutorial on how to cook it posted post it on YouTube. So not only are they cooking, they're actually learning all these other skills mm-hmm. uh, to actually do this. And to be honest with you, most of our kids that we're seeing in our schools, and, and I'm, I'm saying even in po- po- high poverty areas, are bringing devices to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, having access to a phone is is almost like having food, clothing for some of these. Like if you remember the Occupy Wall Street protesters, you had people that literally had no homes, tweeting from an iPhone. So they still had access to a device. And so we're saying to our schools, like buy the kid, buy tripods for those classrooms where the kid just brings their phone, places on it, and they start learning how to build those tutorials. And so you're so that's actually quite hard work but it's easier when it's something i care about right. and i think that's that's what we're really trying to focus on is that um, we look at, we focus on strengths first, not necessarily on their weaknesses. And I think it's Tom Ratz wrote about strengths finders. Yes. And he talked about right. disengagement. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about disengagement in companies and the companies that focused, I think it was, and I don't, I'm bringing the stats off the top of my head, but the, the companies that um, focused on weaknesses. Their engagement from their employees was quite low, but the yes. ones that focus on strengths, it was like That's only one percent right. disengagement.
0: Right, right. And they so were much it, more engaged when they what knew what the adults mm-hmm. absolutely
1: and what adults what adults would say, you know, oh these kids, you know, they're such babies, but would want to go to work where people just constantly focus on what they're weak at all day. Right. Nobody wants to go to that.
0: Nobody it's wants not to just go. Kids. That's right. No,
1: and it's but our but our but our expectations. To be honest, you. My expectations for our kids are way higher. They're right. they're way higher than they've ever been. Right. But my but it's not just on how they do academically.
0: And they and, and yet they're the always graded. I mean, they really are. They're always graded in some yeah. way. They're compared. They're graded. You know, they're they're ranked. The, this is something that's very typical in a kid's world and uh they're they're used to it but at the same time what is the effect it's having on them they it's it's not positive you were constantly graded and ranked for everything that mm-hmm. you did at work or at home you know you you probably wouldn't be too motivated to be innovative and to right. to do anything
1: and that and that's a that's a you know parents it's interesting that you bring this up because we know that's not a good process, but the people that usually fight for it the most are parents. They mm-hmm. want their kids sorted because we want to because know what so conditioned to what the we system. can do yeah. right We
0: want to know how, how can we help where do they where do they fall? you know where are their weaknesses so that we can perk them up instead of focusing also on the strengths and say where are they strong, so that we can build them up that much more. And there's so much opportunity.
1: But but even even as as we're seeing this, and this is a where we got pushback. Um, so we went from like uh, grades to competency reporting, sure. where we would talk about where the kid was strong, the areas they had to work in. And a lot of parents were like, "What's the grade, though?"
0: Right.
1: So even when we say like, a lot of parents say this, but they do want them sorted and one of the arguments we got was really fascinating was the kid, the, the kid is driven by the mark. I'm like, but we've taught them that we've taught them to be mm-hmm. driven when they show up in kindergarten and they create something in the sandbox. They don't say, what percent did I get? Yes. You right. teach them that
0: Can you give me an A or a and B so, on this one.
1: Yeah. And, and this is a, this is a, a shift is that, um, there's a really powerful story. Uh, there's a, a young lady. Her name was, her name is Beverly Pham. And, uh, I actually was writing an article about things that you need to think differently um, when kids come out of high school, what they should have. And this goes beyond a degree. And the three things were a social network, a professional social network. So if a kid wants to be a photographer, they should be on Instagram. They have to learn how to share to an audience, Mm -hmm. connect. Uh, The second one was a digital portfolio. So the digital portfolio would actually help kids – that they could be found online, which is a total shift in thinking. Right. You know, because we've always said, oh, don't be found. Right. You know, internet strangers, da, da, da. But the thing is, um, this this is a shift in thinking. We work, I work with teacher candidates, and I always ask them the question, what do your professors tell you about what you do on social media? And they say, don't do anything bad because principals will look up when they're hiring. Mm. And I'm like, well, why don't they say, do awesome stuff right. because the principals are looking you up. Yes. So if, if I find it, so there's a shift. So that we, that's where we shift. What an interesting and,
0: and the, idea. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and the, the third one was an about.me page. Now about.me, and it could be something similar. About.me is like a website and it basically, it's like an internet cover letter. So I can say who I am, what I'm interested in, but I also list all my social networks. Now I want you to think about where you're at, your seniors in high schools right now. Could they, to an employer today, if you said, I want you all to create this, say, here are all my social networks, go ahead and look at them. And they wouldn't be worried about losing a job. Most of them would be in so much trouble. But we know employers are looking at this anyway. So when I was researching this article, uh, I went to me and they actually featured some of the best. They always feature some of the best. And there there's this young girl, she's probably 17 or 18, featured on this page that gets millions of views a day. So I, like, pulled her off and I started looking and she talked about wanting to go to USC, da-da-da. So I actually wrote about her just a little bit. Well, her English teacher in California, and I'm in Canada, uh, She he saw that I posted this and she, he said, I got a story about her. And I said, well, because he just found it serendipitously because I shared it. And so what's fascinating about her is she applied to USC uh, and they actually said no because her grades were not good enough. So she contacted them and she said, Google me. And they Googled her and they said, we would love to have you. Mm. And the the shift that's happening right now is that we've always known this, that grades do not tell the story of a child, but then they always challenge schools, what are you doing to help them? And so because they could see all this evidence of really amazing stuff that she's doing, they're not putting numbers on it. And once you get out of school, the numbers kind of like, I know how well you're doing based on what I'm seeing, what I'm creating, what you're creating. Um, and and, she, and now more and more universities are looking at this stuff. And it's the same thing with what I just said about the teacher candidates. They're looking for the negatives. But what happens when they're looking for the negatives and they find you're amazing? They're like, we need this kid in our school. We want, this is the type of people we want. because they whole that.
0: That's great. Their whole...
1: Their whole, their whole premise, like I always ask people, has anyone gone to Harvard in this school, in this room? And the, the few people ever raise their hands. But then I'll say, is Harvard a good school? And everyone's like, well, yeah, of course. I'm like, how do you know? And they're like, reputation. Mm-hmm. So more and more of these schools, they right. know that a kid with a bad reputation online could actually connect to their school and it makes the whole school look bad. So they're being more and more cognizant of it and we want our kids to share this. And, and here's a really simple thing, Robin, is that, um I talked to students about this and I'll be honest with you, I was I was kind of a bad kid. I had some issues when I was in high school and my students knew this about me and I would talk about this with them
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they would say, Mr. Kroos, this is super unfair. Like you we're under a microscope and you could get away with anything. Right. I'm like, you know what? You're right. What? It is unfair. But you have way more opportunity than I ever did. Right. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on how unfair it is? Or are you going to take advantage of the opportunity that lies in front of you? So and I'm, the kids would, would, would gravitate to the opportunity once they saw it that way.
0: So I wonder, I mean, you have given us so many tips and, and beautiful scripting. But out of all the things that you would want our listeners to come away with, what would you say is the top tip that you would want listeners to apply today?
1: Well, I think that I was recently working with parents and I think this would apply to students as well or to teachers as well. And when I talk to them, because a lot of the stuff that, and I'm sure that, you know, even listening to me, a lot of the stuff that you hear about, like digital media, innovation, um, when we, when it comes to schools, it's, it's talked about in a negative pair. People are afraid of it. They're scared of change. So I worked with parents and, and, and I said, before I even start talking, let's, 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 let's see if we can agree on something. There are two things that I'm focused on. The first one is that we keep your kids safe. And you want that too. Does everyone agree with me that this is a major focus? 100%. Not even an issue. The second one, and so now the second thing that I want to know if we agree upon is that, do we want to make sure that we give every opportunity for your kids to be successful? And hundred percent. And so I want you to keep this in the back of your mind as I'm talking about this, because sometimes we focus on the safety issue of it. But it, what it means to some of us is hiding our kids off from the world and also shutting down opportunity. And so we want to keep our kids as safe as possible while ensuring that every possibility is open for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm a direct benefactor of this, that, as I said earlier I started tweeting about things I'm doing in my school and now I get to speak around the world. And it was an accident. And now I'm trying to be purposeful and like this is even some of your listeners might freak out about this a little bit. But uh, my daughter has been on Instagram since about an hour after she was born. Mm. And we use a hashtag for her name because at some point someone's going to Google her and we're going to guide her through this process. We're going to help her. Because we want to make sure that she's safe, but she also has every opportunity out there. We're going to teach her this at a very young age, where a lot of parents, a lot of teachers, all they hear is the negatives, and then they just shut it down from our kids. And so, it, it, as I said earlier, the, the, our focus is how do you ensure your kids are safe while ensuring they have every opportunity to be successful in the world?
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. So, So if people want to know more about you and your work – where can they go? This is the resource of the week.
1: Um, well, you can, you can put, you know, you put uh, my, my money where my mouth is. Google me. <laughs>
0: there you go.
1: Right? If you Google George Cross, you're going to find everything about me. Because I don't talk about this because I hear about it. I, I learn this. I talk about it because I do it first. So I can help my kids, students and my own daughter to be successful. Um, but, you know, uh, I would. I would. You'll find my blog there. You'll find my Twitter account, and I would encourage you to take a read of my book. I think it's uh, whether you're an educator or not. I think it really gets people to think differently about what our world is today and and how we look at it. And I wrote it. Um, There's lots of stories. I talk about my parents and some of the, the the difficulties they dealt with and they embraced. Um, you know, being immigrants to a new country with you know not knowing the language, and they. Just, gravitated to that change as an opportunity and the thing I always say is that change is opportunity to do something amazing and my parents saw that and then you know we're freaking out about video phones uh, in our classrooms when we used to watch the Jetsons dreaming of that day and now kids will look at this and I always say that uh, because I travel so much I'm so grateful for things like FaceTime Uh, and I was looking at my daughter and uh, we are FaceTiming, and she just is so excited every time we do this. And right. every moment I can spend with her at home, I do. But I was looking at her and saying, um, just thinking, like, we dreamed of this day and how powerful this is. And she'll never know anything different. Right. And how are we going to use that to our advantage? How are we going to use this? And so uh, I encourage you to read my book um, if you can. It talks about a lot of these things. But um, if, if your viewers have or listeners have any questions, tweet me. They can tweet me and they can ask me about it straight out. And I think those conversations, even when people challenge me, it makes me better. And I think that's, what's really powerful is that this is this, even though we talked over an hour, this is a conversation that can continuously go on. And that's a beautiful thing about our world
0: today. Exactly. Exactly. Well, George, thank you so very much for joining us my today pleasure. and talking about all these great concepts of innovation and creativity. Your tips are really, really great, and you gave a lot of them, and I hope people really heard the many tips that were available. I will do my Dr. Robin rundown uh, at when, this, when we're talking about this podcast so everybody can really talk about it and hear it, and we will tweet you, but we did talk about providing an innovation week, meaning that if we get some opportunities to give those kids a a space to be innovative. You talked about helping kids to be problem finders, not just problem solvers. And you talked about making sure you ask those kids, what are you passionate about? And then trying to help them connect their strengths to those passions and giving them the go ahead by saying, you're the leaders of today, not of tomorrow, not of next week, but right now, so that those kids feel like They can go with it and become everything that they dream of being right now, and I think that is really amazing. So thank you so very much.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me, Robin.
0: Well, everybody, I've got my takeaways, and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Let's go to Facebook.com/slash Doctor Robin Silverman, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or Twitter.com/slash Doctor Robin, and of course. Tweet George Koros too, because he wants to hear. And if you love this podcast like I did, would you kindly go up to iTunes, rate and review it, subscribe so other people can learn about the outstanding solutions that George has provided and use them in their own homes, in their own schools. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. More information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit DrRobinSilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even when it seems like nothing's going right, we all have those days, you've got this, you're here, you're getting the information that you need. And on the days that you fall short, Remember, parenting is the ultimate do-over. I get it. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know that you're 10 times the parent you think you are. You really are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week.